Lord God, we lift you up in this place. We praise you, Lord God, as the Lord of all heaven and earth, as our Lord. So we bow, God, in grateful, grateful adoration at your feet. Father, may this posture be not just our posture in a moment of worship, but make it the posture of our whole life. We ask it in your holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to invite you to communion this morning, but I also want to remind you, fellas, next Sunday is Mother's Day. Everybody get that bulletin? Next Sunday is Mother's Day. They say it's a man's world, but some man somewhere, I think, was the one who said, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Rules the world. That's right. Our mothers have incredible influence, and for that, we're very thankful. Some of us are worshiping in this place with our mothers this morning. What a special blessing that is. It's incredible, the influence of a mother. We're starting a new series this morning called Live Like Kings. It's going to focus on the lives of David and Jonathan, and in particular, the clues that their lives leave for us as to what it means to really live like kings. So for your sons, your grandsons, and young men, old men, whatever, in this congregation the next several weeks, I think, will be very especially pointed for you. But I don't know many homes that if the man got blessed and grew in God, that the whole family wouldn't be blessed because of it. So uh, this is going to be a wonderful time, I think, as we explore the lives of Jonathan and David. As you know, my sons are named Jonathan and David. I have twins. And I've long wanted to mine the depths of that particular relationship. I think God gave us those names for our sons. And they've always reflected, in kind of a mysterious way, uh, their name choices. And so it'll be a special blessing for me as we do this. But there's so much backstory to Jonathan and David. And it really starts with a mother. She was childless. But she had a mother's heart. God had given her that heart. And the childlessness forced her in her her desperation to cry out to God for a son. So much so that she said that if God, if you would give me a son, I would give him to you for all his days. I would give him back that he might serve you. And she mentioned that he would be a Nazarite, that, that his hair wouldn't be cut, that he would be especially dedicated to the Lord. That her son, which she received from the Lord, She named Samuel, Samuel, probably the greatest of the judges, the most faithful and a great prophet as well. When when Israel was transitioning from being 12 tribes kind of loose in the the country of of Canaan. And you, you remember, right, we finished the story of Joshua not too long ago. Well, this one picks up not far after that for many, many years Israel lived in kind of a federation of 12 tribes, but no really centralized, unifying uh, power to it, except in times of repentance, when the country would cry out to God because of their desperate situation, God would send them a deliverer, and they called them judges. Samson was a judge. Deborah was a judge. There were many judges, and Samuel is believed to be the last of the judges. 
He alone had the spiritual clout to silence any kind of competition amongst 12 tribes for who would be chosen king. That to me is amazing. 12 different tribes, and yet Samuel had the spiritual clout to speak for God about who their next king would be. Samuel anointed Saul. He anointed David. He's that great transition from the federation of Israel into the kingdom of Israel with a king. Samuel was known for his great obedience. That's what gave him his spiritual clout. But where did he learn it? That's a good question. He didn't earn it from Eli. Eli was the high priest at the time. And though he was a pretty good guy, his sons were called worthless. Worthless. To them, nothing was sacred. They played around with the sacrifices, not honoring their sacredness. They would seduce women on their way to worship. They were despicable, worthless men. These were the sons of Eli the priest that raised Samuel. How could a man who raised such horrid sons have raised a man like Samuel? It had to be God. But I think it was his mother. You say, how could that be? She gave him up when he was just just an infant. And that's true. God gave her the son, but she was obedient even with an anguished mother's heart to give her first and then only son back to God. And do you remember the scene as she brings them to Eli the priest there to fulfill her vow to God and she gives him little Samuel that Samuel just weaned, maybe two, three, four years of age at the most. It says, and he worshipped God there before Eli. I want you to picture a little guy hardly able to talk with his little lunch pail, right? And his mom gives him to Eli, and she tells him this is a place of worship. And even this little heart has been trained to know what that means. It says he worshiped God there. It's a special term in Hebrew that suggests a posture. We bow down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. It's that kind of bowing and and humble adoration. Can you imagine a little bitty guy barely able to talk but he already knows how to worship. His heart is already given to God. It was Samuel who heard a voice calling him, Samuel, Samuel, in those days the word of the Lord was rare, but he heard a voice calling him. He went to Eli and he says, here I am, Eli, here I am, you called me. No, I didn't call you, go back to sleep. It happened three times and then finally Eli said, it's not me that's calling you, it's the Lord. If he should call again, you say, "Uh, here I am. Lord, your servant, speak. Speak, Lord, your servant listens. This was Samuel. Where did he learn that kind of obedience? I tell you, he knew how much he was cherished by his mother. Every year, she would come back to Eli's place. And she would bring a garment that she had carefully woven all year that would last him to the next year. You've heard of Jesus' seamless garment? That's what I'm anticipating this looking like. A special garment that her heart had woven, and with every stitch, her love was in it. She would come, and she would give him all over again back to Eli, and she would give him that garment. Every year, 
he knew how much his, he was loved by his mother, and yet at the same time, he knew his mother loved God so much that she gave her greatest treasure to God. Him. And I think Samuel saw a mom who loved God like that. And Samuel said, I will love God like that. If God is that worthy that my mom would give me to him, then I too will give all that I have of myself to the Lord. Because of a mom's love. And every, every time we come to this meal, we remember to do this in remembrance of Jesus. Every time we come to this meal, we are given a robe of righteousness because of the one who loves us so much that he would make such a sacrifice. And if God is worthy of that kind of sacrifice, if that God is the God who loves you, isn't he worth trusting with your greatest obedience? Come this morning to the table and be loved like your Lord has ever Hannah loved Samuel. Hers is just a dim reflection of the love of our Father. And if you are loved like that, you can trust Him with all that you are. If you know that you're loved like that, my friends, you can be a worshiper too. On the night that He gave Himself up for us, He gave Himself up for us. Jesus took bread and gave thanks to you, our Father, and he broke the bread. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks to you, our Father, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and drink from this, all of you, for this is the cup of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord God, in remembrance of you, we do these things. These things being partaking of this bread and of this juice, but so much more. We do these things. We, we entrust ourselves to you again. We praise you for your forgiveness of our sins. We come to the embrace of the one who loves us most and who we can trust with everything. God, bless these gifts of juice and bread that they may be for us the body and the blood of Christ as by your special touch and your Holy Spirit you make us anew the body of Christ in this world. Bless us, Lord God, that we might be a blessing. Bless us even as we pray as your Son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We invite you to the grace of our Lord. The middle section again will have our gluten-free options if that's your choice.
If I have 